Hello, I'm Rob Walker. And I'm Emily Eccles. And this is the brand new Civil Service Pensions podcast. We work for MyCSP, the Scheme Administrator for Civil Service Pensions. We're communicators and we're passionate about making the complicated seem straightforward. But we don't know everything there is to know about pensions. That's why we're using this podcast to learn alongside you. We'll go back to basics to help you get to grips with your civil service pension and make more informed choices about your financial future. In every episode, we'll be chatting to expert guests and members of the scheme to find out how to get the most out of your pension and why it's one of the best in the UK public sector. Today we're talking about the moments that matter, all the key life events that many of us will experience at some point during our careers and how they affect your pension. With us today we have Mick Mulligan, Head of Engagement for Civil Service and Royal Mail Pensions at the Cabinet Office and Emily Wilson, Senior Trainer Consultant at MyCSP. Welcome Emily, Mick, thanks very much for joining us. So before we start it'd be great if you could each tell us a little bit about yourself Emily, why don't we start with you? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Emily Wilson, and I'm a senior training consultant at my CSP. Uh, So I joined my CSP about seven years ago. I spent the first four years in the inquiry centre before moving over to training about three years ago. Um, And we sort of specialise in helping the members of the pension scheme understand how the pension works and how they can get the most out of it. Great. Thanks, Emily. Mick? Hi. Thanks, Emily. I'm Mick Mulligan, Head of Engagement for Civil Service and Royal Mail Pensions. I've been in the civil service about 30 years now, and my current role involves uh, working with the the scheme to develop strategic direction for comms and engagement, and then working with the scheme administrator as my SSP to understand how that sort of develops into sort of operational delivery. Uh, Great. I should probably call out that we've got two Emilys here. We've got (laughs) Emily Eccles and Emily Wilson. So we're going to try and remember that they've both got different voices. So we know there's some really common uh, life events that pretty much everyone goes through at some point, but we don't always think about how these might affect our pension. So let's start at the beginning. Emily, what happens when you first join the scheme after getting a new job in the civil service? Sure. So what happens is when you first join, you're automatically enrolled into a scheme called Alpha, and that's from your first day of service. That automatically happens. Your employer puts you in the scheme. Within about a month or so, your employer will normally send you some forms to fill in and that's where you state either that you want to remain in Alpha or choose the alternative scheme option. You also state if you're interested in transferring any previous pensions in and that's really important because you've actually only got a 12-month window to do that. So you'll get all of these forms within a month or so of joining but also your contributions will start. They start straight away uh, from your first monthly pay. Member contributions range from 4.6% going up to about 8.05% salary related. Your employer contributions also start, which are again salary related, and it's a minimum of 26.6% in employer contributions. So you can get more information about the contribution rates and salary bandons on the scheme website. You'll also then get benefit statements each year from there, normally produced over the course of the summer. And once you've received your first statement, you can log in online to the pension portal, view your details, use the calculators, all kinds of things. So it's a really useful platform. We've got a guide for that on the scheme website that you can look at too. And what about transferring other pensions in? So you can transfer a previous scheme in. It just needs to be done within your first 12 months of service. That's a really important one to note because I think it's really easy to just miss that because you, you learn about it so early on. And we get people asking about it then down the line when they've missed the window. So 
really important to engage straight away with your pension. And what's the benefit of transferring a pension into the civil service pension scheme? That can be different for different people. Of course, we can't give any financial advice, but I mean, if we speak in facts, a lot of the reasons people choose to transfer in is because A, they'd just rather have everything in the same place. So it's easier to manage, keep track of, and then to also claim back at retirement. But also secondly, it's known kind of industry-wide in the pensions that the civil service pension schemes are one of the best pension schemes there is. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, it's a really attractive option to a lot of people. I should also mention that the civil service pensions website that you refer to is www.civilservicepensionscheme.org. UK. So you've just joined the scheme with your new job in the civil service. You've got loads of information that's really helpful to help you engage with your pension from the get-go. So that's great. What happens kind of further down the line, maybe say in a few years, you decide you want to take a career break? Yeah, so so a career break is uh, a bit of a funny one. So the civil service in certain circumstances will allow members to take a bit of a break from, from work and it might be to do further education, it might be to go and explore different opportunities, it might be actually to go and do some charity work. So generally it can be quite short from three to six months up to a maximum of about, about five years. Uh, what that means is that you're leaving the employment and your pension contributions obviously stop being made because you're not getting paid on a monthly basis. So effectively, your pension is, is is frozen. And if you do return back to work, it then picks up from where it left off. Now, what that does mean is that depending on the length that you're away from work, you might potentially lose out on some of the service that you would have had in that period. So for instance, if you're left for two years and you continue to work for another 30 years at the end of it, you may potentially be down two years that you would have, um, in another situation, had had accrued an additional pension for. So, so one of the options around that may be added pension, and that's where you can pay additional contributions. And at the end of that period, you would have made up for that that drop in service. So there's a couple of options around that. We've got some really useful information on the website. There's a bit of a, um, a landing page where which gives you different information on that, and there's also a calculator, and you can look at either how much you can afford on a, on a monthly basis. And if you put in some details about yourself and you put in how much money you can afford on a monthly basis, then it will tell you how much added pension we've bought at the end of it. Or alternatively, uh, if you think actually you'd like an extra two, three, four thousand pounds worth of pension, you can actually put in the added pension calculator, how much added pension you want to purchase, and that will tell you how much money you have to put in monthly. So, so that's quite a nice little um, tool to use if you're planning for the future. So on the added pension then, uh, so you've got an employer, as in the civil service, who will give you the option to take a sabbatical, take some time off work and go travelling or do whatever it is that you want to do, have a baby, things that people do in their lives. But for the pension, obviously to plug that gap that that's going to leave in your in your pension record, um, you can purchase extra to fill it in. Absolutely. And I, and I think for me, that's really key. And it's not just about, it's not just about if you've had a gap, because actually, what you might want to do is, you know, even if you haven't had a gap, you might want to explore what added pension means for you. So again, if you log on to the portal and you look at the modeler and you look at how, how your pension is projected to be when you come to retire and you think about what you want to do. Do you want to go fishing? Do you want to travel the world? Actually, if you look at your pension, you think, actually, it's not quite where I want it to be or it's not quite where I think my projected sort of monthly income needs to be. Then you can go and play on that added pension calculator and think about actually I can afford to pay an extra £50 a month or £100 a month if that's going to give me an extra annual income of £1,000, £2,000, £3,000 of pension every year. That's a really great facility. Yeah, that makes sense. It's sort of an option to to give your pension a bit of a boost if you have had a gap. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that's you know part of the engagement with, that we're trying to look at is 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 helping people understand 
not just where they are now, but where they want to be when they come to retire. Because obviously we're all under stress at the minute around, you know, cost of living and, and etc. But actually you need to think ahead and think, you know, when I do come to retire, what do I really want to enjoy? Uh, and I think if you think about adding that extra 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds a month, how much of an impact that can make when you come to retire. And the other thing to bear in mind is that this isn't age limiting. So for me, the earlier you engage with your pension, then the better it is and the more options you've got. Yeah, so on that, so, you know, obviously we hit age milestones in our life, don't we? And a lot of those happen when we're working. So is there a point where people wake up and think, crikey, I need to have a look at my pension here. You know, is that is that something that you've observed? Yeah. I mean, I think I think if we look at the statistics of queries to to, to, to the contact centre and, and queries that come in, generally people start switching on to their pension in the late 40s, early 50s, because that's when they really start thinking about, ooh, retirement's within 10 years or five years or six years. And actually... It's not too late to do it then, but for me, it would be much better if people started doing it much earlier in life. So for me, you know, the earlier the better, but really 20s, 30s, at least start thinking about it and start playing around with that modelling. Start thinking about where you want to be. Even if you don't commit anything, start thinking about it because the number of times where we've done an awareness session for somebody who was in the sort of mid to late 50s and they turn around to me and have said, actually, I wish I'd had that 20 or 30 years ago. It's, and, and, and actually, it really pushes me you know, working with my CSP to sort of try and, you know, get people at a younger age so that have got that time and the options that maybe are slightly reduced if you start thinking about it, as you said, Robert, you know, towards the late 40s and early 50s. So, Emily, what tools are available then for people to, to do that, to start engaging with their pension? What What can you do? Yeah, so, I mean, just kind of echoing a little bit about what Mick said, really. We normally, people who come onto the engagement sessions kind of in the late 40s, early 50s, Mark, and, and we always hear the same thing. I wish I'd have had this information sooner. Well, all of the information is available sooner. So just to use myself as an example, I've just increased my own pension contributions and I'm only 28. Obviously, the younger the start, the better that's going to look for you at the end. And this is why when you first join what we were saying before, that's why all of that information is given to you there and then so that you know you can register for the portal this is where you can go to view all of the information that we hold for you to make sure everything looks about right um, on that portal you can view your benefit statements so this is produced every summer normally over a couple of month periods and that tells you what you've accrued up to that point so you know where it's sitting right now but what you've also got on the portal is the retirement modeler so this is a, a retirement projector basically and it's pre-populated from all of the information on your last statement and it'll tell you what you will have accrued right up to a date in the in the future. It also includes any early retirement reductions if applicable. So it's a really useful figure to go off and, and to check and you can do that from when you get your first benefit statement. The main thing I would say is to always check over your statements because things need to be right on there, of course, for the calculators to work. So then two things really should be going hand on hand. So if you're going to be using the modeler, get into the habit of checking your last statement first. So I suppose then, you know, this whole thing about people tending to start engaging with their pension when they get to their late 40s, early 50s, I suppose in some ways it's about trying to make that mental leap for those younger people, people like you who are doing that. You've made that leap that this is a personal financial thing. This is just a savings account effectively that's just going to sit there for a long, long time rather than it being something that is just a very remote thing that's connected to work. It's a personal thing 
that's as personal as your bank account. Yeah, and I think it's easy for especially the younger generation to say, actually, I would rather have that £100 in my pocket at the moment rather than going into a pension. People forget sometimes the, ta- the tax relief that you get on the contributions as well. So £100 as a pension contribution wouldn't necessarily translate to £100 in your pocket. You're getting that um, tax relief saving on it as well. So it, it's really, when you look at all elements of it, it's really beneficial to do it as soon as you can. I suppose, as we've covered in previous episodes, you also get employer contributions yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really I mean, high employer contributions. It's 27% of into the scheme and that, that covers a range of different things, not just your pension. I mean, I think the other, I mean, just to follow on from Emily was saying, I think another really useful tool that's available for, for you know, anybody in the scheme, but, you know, especially for somebody who's joining or, or, or mid-career, uh, is the pension power facility that we offer. So, so Cabinet Office Fund, MySSP, to do hour-long pension awareness sessions and they talk about how the scheme works how it accrues they talk about added pension they talk about the family benefits so you know if something uh, happens to you uh, while you're in service then you know there's a lump sum that's paid out in addition to the pension so so there's a lot of additional um information out there and i think if you go onto the pensions website and there's there's options there about logging on to virtual pension power sessions and again that's an hour long and you ask questions and i think for me it's a really good grounding in understanding how the pension works and what options you've got. And that's really useful. So that's online training that's free that members can access through the Civil Service Pension Scheme website. And it's run by, oh, Emily, it's run by your team. Yeah, I was just going to jump in. I deliver quite <laughs> a lot of them. Um, what's really good about it is we run them every single day. So if you log on, you should really? find a date and time that's suitable. I didn't know that. Every single day. Every day. And like you say, free of charge. So, I mean, so why not? Why wouldn't you just go on to attend? Absolutely. Um, we've just launched a new joiner version as well. So specific to those within the first 12 months of service. Okay. Really useful tool, I would say. We get some really good feedback about it as well, so it goes down well. That's a really good tip, really good tip. I'm just thinking about like other those other kind of major life events that come along that people don't often link to their pension in lots of ways. I guess another common kind of trigger point for people to start thinking about their pension more might be when, you know, something changes to do with their health. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, the, the, the scheme offers certain sort of options with regards to that. So obviously, if you become ill, then obviously you, you've got your normal sort of processes within your sort of your employer. But as your peer reduces and obviously your pension contributions reduce as well. So if, for instance, it was found that you couldn't continue with work and your medical condition got got more serious, then there are options about claiming your pension earlier. And there's various levels upon that. So you would go through a process of having a medical assessment done and depending on what the medical situation was, you get what we call medical retirement. And again, that means that in certain circumstances, you may get your pension paid early and it may be enhanced and it depends on the circumstance. But again, it's a bit of a backup relief. So, you know, if, if yeah. for instance, you did have a medical condition that prevented you from work and then the pension would come into payment early and help you sort of continue with your life in that situation. Yeah, I think that's so important to note and so valuable to call out from, from a health perspective. What's great about this scheme is that it cases for that kind of scenario. If the unthinkable were to happen and something was to irrevocably change your health and you can't work anymore, the usually may be a way for you to access your pension and not have to worry about your finances from that perspective. And again, I think for me, you know, either if you're just joining the scheme and you're young and you're thinking, well, is it really worth joining the scheme? I think there's a number of factors why you should join the scheme. You know, I mentioned the thing about, you know, if you if you die in service, there's a lump sum there. You've got the medical medical sort of retirement where you, the pension is payable. But if you've got dependents and families, there's also, you know, if, if something did happen to you, um, you know, there's the children's pension, there's the, there's the widow's pension, there's a spouse's pension, there's a partner's pension. So, so there's a lot of benefits mm. 
from being in the scheme over and above just getting your pension. So you're really kind of looked after from the perspective of a pension. I think it's quite easy to kind of dismiss those sorts of things, but it's not something that is offered by many other schemes, is it? Not not, not to the level. I consider myself lucky. So I joined the civil service DWP when I was 19 and I joined pensions. So I was quite lucky in that my first job was in pensions and everybody around me was saying, it's really important. You need to be in the scheme. Don't, you know, don't opt out and spend the money on, you know, drink and food. And I've just had a similar conversation with my daughter. So my daughter's come out of uni. She's doing a bit of work with John Lewis at the moment. She's been opted into the John Lewis scheme. And I had a very similar conversation with her, 21 years old, Dad, why am I in the pension scheme? So I was talking about, you know, stay in the pension scheme. You know, you not be, you might not be with John Lewis very long, but actually you don't know where you're going to be in two, three, four years. But from a career path, you might end up being there. So for me, stay in the scheme, you know, put 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 the contributions in and then and then see where, where life takes you. And I suppose then if the worst was to happen and you were to get ill, then you've got that sort of protection, haven't you? Absolutely. This kind of reminds me a bit of the conversation we had in a previous episode with Linda about how she felt like there was love between her and her colleagues. We talked about this concept of the civil service family, people feeling like they're close colleagues. And in some ways that's echoed in the way that the scheme treats the members because it sort of wraps its arms around them in that way. Yeah, and I I think one of the biggest sort of concerns for me is that is that awareness piece i mean we're doing the podcast today and i think if we can sort of expand upon as many channels as possible to get this message out to to the membership that that actually this is a really really good scheme and there's lots of benefits associated to that then then that can only be a good thing yeah these people are really lucky i mean you're, you're lucky to be a member of that scheme without a doubt okay i mean you know over the course of this whole series so far we've gotten a really clear idea of just how great this scheme is so moving on a little bit then to you know these other kind of key moments in life what happens when say you get married or you know even you get divorced is that emily is that a moment where you need to think about your pension in a different way yeah i think the best way to approach it you know whether or not it's going to affect your pension is to treat it as you would your will so mm, okay. when you have something big that changes with your personal information make sure that that reflects on your pension. So do you need to update your details? So for example, if you've recently gotten married, do you want to make this new person your death benefit nomination? Or in fact, if you've recently gotten divorced and you initially had that person as your death benefit nomination, do you need to change that? That happens really often in the civil service. People tend to forget. I mean, one of the good rules about it is that if you divorce or get get divorced with someone and they were your nominee it actually automatically voids that nomination anyway just to save any sort of complications down the line in case they forget a lot of the time as well your pension it's it can be really the largest or one of the most valuable assets that you've got at any one time Mm -hmm. so a lot of the time it can be used in the split of assets in divorce proceedings now that isn't always the case it wouldn't always be used if you can kind of agree with each other to not touch each other's pensions great it's not always that amicable a divorce so sometimes it is going to be used normally what happens is whoever's dealing with the divorce would split your pension pot between you and your ex-spouse and the split can just depend on you know the whole case really obviously we don't see every side of it So just something that you need to keep in mind, you know, and you can get more information about how divorce would affect your pension figures by whoever your legal representative is at the time. The main thing there is to just let us know about any big changes. Have you got married? Have you got divorced? Obviously to update your marital status and name maybe, but also that death benefit nomination is an easy one to forget. So keep it in mind. I think there's one thing to draw out from what you just said there, Emily. 
And that's that your pension is one of the largest and most valuable assets you have. I'd never thought about it in that way before. So you think about what your largest assets are. Well, you know, it's my house or it's my savings or car or jewellery. But who would think that their pension would be one of their largest and most valuable assets? But, you know, of course, actually, it, it absolutely is. Absolutely is, yeah. When you think about a pension, a lot of people just look at, okay, what am I going to get as an annual income for when I retire? But in terms of a pension value, you've got to remember that pension's being paid to you for life. That could be maybe 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. That's all reflected in the value of your pension when it's split between divorce proceedings. So, mm. yeah, it's huge. And it can, a lot of the time we see it be the second highest asset in divorce. You know, after properties and houses. And that's magnified by the civil service pension because it's not a pot of money that's got a finite value. It's an income that's guaranteed for life. So it's effectively a bottomless pit of money, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think people get, I think a lot of people get confused between private pensions and, and sort of the civil service pension where they think you've got a pot of money that's invested in, and it's not like that. It's actually because it's a defined benefit scheme, you basically put your contributions in, you can work out exactly what you're going to get at the end of it, which is why it's called a defined benefit scheme. Whereas for the private pension, you're investing money in stocks and shares. It can go up and go down. And then you use that pot of money to go away and buy an annuity or a pension. So it's it's a lot more trackable and you can understand where you're going to be at the so end of it. The way I've thought about it, and, and it's been because of this podcast, actually, is that the difference between how we traditionally think of a pension as being this pot of money is that we just hope we don't live long enough for that pot of money to run out. Whereas obviously with the civil service pension, it doesn't matter. You can live for as long as you want and it's never going to run out. It was Dominic actually that put it in a really interesting way that made me like, it made the light bulb go on in my head where he said, with defined benefit, the benefit is defined at the end. But with defined contribution, what you contribute is defined, yeah. if that makes sense. And I thought, Oh, that makes total sense. Okay, so we've talked about taking time out of your career sort of earlier on. Many people will take time off to have or to look after children. So Mick, what does that mean for your pension? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, let, let's expand that out a little bit. So I think it's, it's you know, we talk about you know, maternity leave, paternity leave, adoption, parent leave, you know, things like that, you know, term time. But but actually wider than that, there's other reasons why you might you might sort of take time off. So I'm thinking specifically around carers. So you know we're an aging population, a lot of people have got caring responsibilities. And I think what that means, similar to if you have a career break, is that you know you may have to go part time or you may have to take time off to either look after children or, or, or older um, you know, parents or siblings. Thinking about where your pension is and that impact that, that having that time off has on your pension and what it might be when you come to retire, I think is really important. So again, just to sort of reference what I was talking about earlier, is that even if you don't do anything, please, please go on the portal, look at what the model has telling you from a pension projection perspective, because you know that, that time off to look after children or indeed a loved one will have an impact on your pension potentially. And at least if you understand what that impact is, then you can plan around it. I know, for example, like when my wife had kids, she went on to full pay for a certain period of time, then half pay, then maternity pay, and then nothing for a period of time. So obviously it was diminishing in terms of the amount that she was paying towards her pension. So the added pension facility obviously allows you to sort of plug the gap. And, and, and again, you know, whether you've got a break or not, I think it's a really useful thing to at least look at. So, you know, as I said earlier, you, you're thinking about what you want to do when you come to retire, you know, whether it's look after the grandkids or even if it's just, you know, you go away and enjoy Australia or if you just want to go walking in the hills, whatever you want to do, there is a cost applied to that. And it's going to be, you know, on, on a sliding scale, depending on what your hobbies and interests are. So 
if you can plan now, you know, as much as possible and understand where you want to be, then the added pension is is always an option. There is another option that we call a, a additional voluntary contribution. So that is done through legal in general. Uh, and essentially what that is, is that you're setting up a mini private pension and, and, and effectively what you're doing there is you pay contributions into, into a fund that's invested in stocks and shares. And again, that can go up and it can go down. And at the end of a, of a period of time when you've been paying into the AVCs, you've got a pot of money. And again, as I said, you can go and use that money to invest in a pension. Now, you know, we're not financial advisors. I can't tell you what's best for you. AVCs are added pension. What I can say is that with added pension, you know what you're going to get at the end of it with the AVCs, you know, it's invested in stocks and shares. So if that's your bargain, you're interested in that, then that may be a better option for you. Or if you're a bit more sort of added pension as a way to go for me, then then go down that route uh, alternatively. But there are options there. And I think, you know, considering you're better to consider all of your options than none at all. That that would be me, me advice. The thing that I'm hearing here is that there's options. Working in the civil service and being a member of the scheme gives you the flexibility to have time off with kids or go and spend a year traveling around Australia and not lose out on what the future might look like. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Rob. I think one of the things that, that I do laugh at, having worked in pensions for, for 30 years, is that you know pensions must be pretty boring because nothing changes. Nothing changes and you don't have many options. Actually, you've got quite a few options and things are always changing. So so I keep in abreast of what's going on and you know using, using the available information that's out there, for me, is a sensible option. As I said, I was really looking at lucky at 19 to come into a pensions department. And what I'm trying to do now is share that knowledge with with the help and support of my CSP as administrator to try and promote as much as possible that awareness piece and the options that people have got. Thanks, Mick. And thanks, Emily, for joining us today. It's been really useful, really informative. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. It's been really good to, I mean, as Mick said before, just sharing a bit of knowledge that, that you've gained and sharing it with other people and hoping that other people can benefit from it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, everyone. appreciate your facility at the DNF. Hopefully people will find it useful uh, and visit the website and Pension Power. Thank you. If you want to find out more about any of the topics we've talked about in this episode or tell us about something you want us to cover in future episodes, head to civilservicepensionscheme.org.uk forward slash podcast. Make sure to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode and you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us.